Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Is Jasmine here? She's not here right now. Paul, good to see you, Paul. Amen. And uh, Blake, good to have Blake McLaughlin here. Came all the way out here to visit with me and say hi to me. Right, Claire? Isn't that why you came? Amen. All of our friends that are here tonight, good to see a great crowd on a Wednesday night. Amen, especially for the uh, summer months. I know everybody's vacations and traveling. And I say this, if you are traveling, please be safe. I know the Smith family uh, texts me they're traveling tonight and they'll be gone Sunday. So pray for their safe travels. Amen. And uh, anybody else who's going to be traveling, keep them in your prayers. Continue to pray for Sister Barry. Continue to pray for Sister Scriber, Brother Henry. Amen. Let's continue to keep these folks in our prayers. Amen. As I know they just continue to need God to touch their bodies. Amen. Amen. I feel like I'm forgetting the, the move. The children from the move are going to go ahead and be dismissed right now. The youth are going to stay in here tonight. And, uh, and they want to support Brother Herbie. Amen. And we're talking, we're, we're speaking throughout the summer. We're going to be the theme of Cornerstone and uh, principles of the Word of God. Jesus Christ is the Cornerstone. And so all of these principles are Jesus' principles, amen? They're, they're Word of God principles, fundamentals. Amen. Anything, anything in this life that we do, uh, you know, even when I played sports, they taught the, the importance of fundamentals. If you ever start losing the fundamentals, things start going crazy. But if you can just get the fundamentals down, it's so much like just in our walk with God, we just work on those fundamentals. And so Herbie's going to come tonight, and uh, he's going to talk to us about another one of those cornerstones. Let's give Herbie a hand clap. Praise the Lord, Living Hope. Can we turn that uh, hand clap? I know we just finished, but can we give a clap of praise to the Lord? I want to give honor to our awesome pastor uh, for giving me this opportunity to be up here. It is a great honor that I don't take lightly. And, you know, it's just, it's so awesome for me to be able to pour into all of you who um, have my whole life growing up been able to pour into me. So it's just, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Um, so if you would turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 10, verse 30, uh, we're going to continue with the Cornerstone series by reading a very familiar story of a man with compassion for a total stranger. And I'm going to turn to my Bible. I have it bookmarked. I'm sure most of you don't. But I knew that this verse was going to be read tonight. All right, Luke 10, verse 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. 
And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighboring or neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us compassion, Lord. God, that you would, Lord, allow us, Jesus, God, to, Lord, learn something about you tonight, Jesus. That we would, Lord, be humbled, O oh God, in our own thoughts, in our own ways, O oh God. And we would, Lord, give way to what you want to do tonight, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would just be in this place, O oh God. Lord, touch our hearts and touch our minds, O oh God. And be with us as we, as we learn about you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Everyone's favorite part. Here we see a man who was beaten almost to death, a couple spectators, and a man with compassion. Now, a short study on that word, compassion. And I promise by the time that this is over, you guys are going to be so tired of that word. In fact, look at the person next to you and say, compassion. Compassion, according to Merriam-Webster, means a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. It's a lot of big words. Compassion is not only us telling someone that we understand what they are going through, and it's not us shrug shrugging off someone's problems when they confide in us. At the very least, when someone confides in us, we should pray for them. We should be like the Samaritan who bandaged up the wounded man, took him to a safe place, and paid for his treatment. When someone confides in us about one of their problems, we should try to help them to the best of our ability. Now, before anyone else, I'm preaching to myself first. I have such a hard time with being compassionate to people that I don't know or that I'm not close to. At work, when I get annoyed with a customer, and yes, we all get annoyed with customers and coworkers and bosses and even ourselves, we're all human, but you know, when that happens, I just, I pray and I ask God to give me patience and peace. However, I don't actually do that. I should, but I often don't. I wish that they would go home and you know, step on a Lego that their child left out or, you know, go to a gas station and open up a pack of Starbursts and it turns out they're all yellow. Uh, but <laughs> I don't wish them any real harm or misery because there is power in our words. And our tongues are unruly members and the power of life and death is in our tongues. So I guess in that sense, I do somewhat have compassion. I mean, even today, I got so frustrated at a customer that I punched a wall. I promise I'm not saying that it's okay. I'm just being totally transparent with you. And yeah, anyway, compassion is not something that is second nature or something that comes easy. It is something that we have to work at. 
Compassion, like 80% of other English words, has a Latin origin. The Latin word that formed our English word, compassion, is cumpari. It's a fun word. It sounds like Jamaican for come party. But I promise it does not mean anything close to party. In fact, it means to suffer with. And now you're thinking, oh great, he reels us in with the word party and then tells us that we need to suffer. Well, we were never promised an easy life on this earth. So yes, you do need to suffer. Romans 8, 17 through 18 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The Bible says that if we suffer with Christ, we will be glorified with him. The things we go through now are so minute when we think of the end goal. When you think of being with God and praising him in heaven one day, it, it makes all of life's problems seem so small. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. If we are unified, when one of us suffers, we will suffer with them. And when one of us rejoices, we will all be able to rejoice with them. Because we have compassion for one another. We need to be unified so that when someone is giving or someone is going through something, we can be there for them. And when someone rejoices, then we can all celebrate together with them. And if you're taking notes, I have three points tonight focusing around, you guessed it, compassion. Point number one, Jesus' movement in ministry was marked by compassion. In Matthew 20, we see Jesus and his disciples leaving Jerusalem with a big crowd that he had accumulated. And we'll start with verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace, that they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. The first thing that sticks out to me here is the blind men's faith. Being blind for so long, I'm sure there were plenty of you know, punk kids who tried to trick the blind men by saying someone or something was there that wasn't actually there. I'm sure that after a certain point, they stopped listening to voices telling them things and only relied on what they could feel. They walked by faith and not by sight. I mean, they didn't really have much of a choice, but they had heard all these great things about Jesus, but had no idea if they were true or not. They had enough faith to believe that Jesus was a healer and could get them out of the situation they were in. They didn't care when they were rebuked by the crowd following Jesus. They kept exercising faith, believing that Jesus could heal them, and their faith was rewarded. Jesus moved with compassion and healed their brokenness. In Mark 1, we see a similar situation where a leper comes up to Jesus right after Jesus had been casting out devils. And in verse 40, it's, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. 
And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Now, to beseech means to beg urgently. This was a man so broken that he didn't care what people around him thought. He got on his knees and begged for a healing from God, and begged for a healing from God. He knew that Jesus could heal him if he wanted to. He said, if thou wilt. If it is your will for me to be healed, then heal me right now. And Jesus saw his hurt and his urgency and moved with compassion to heal him and take away the flesh-eating disease that corrupted him. In Matthew 14, Jesus is told that John the Baptist had died. And after hearing of it, he travels to a desert place and there was a multitude of people who had also heard of John the Baptist's death and followed Jesus to that desert place. Jesus looked and saw the great multitude and uh, verse 14 says that he was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. Once it turned evening, Jesus' disciples told him to send the people back into the cities so that they could eat. Jesus was like, why send them away when we have plenty of food here? And they probably looked at him like he was crazy. Um, But they soon found a boy who had, someone help me now, five loaves and two fish. And with the same compassion Jesus had earlier for the sick, he now had for the hungry. He fed 5,000 people that evening. Jesus' compassion always leads to action, uh, healing, feeding, providing, or calling others to serve. Um, Point number two, we are called to move with compassion. 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We need to follow the example of Jesus and be willing to lay down our lives for the brethren. This boils back to the golden rule, love thy neighbor as thyself. This doesn't mean that if your best friend went to jail for killing someone, then you have to sit in the electric chair for them. It just means that we need to be servants. To God first, then to each other. We need to have compassion enough to help each other out when we are able to, and not to withhold if you have goods and are able to help someone who is in need. We don't just love in word, but in deed, which is our actions. We need to follow through with what we tell people that we are going to do and keep our word. And point number three, uh, not really a title for it, but we're revisiting the Samaritan story. Here we have two supposedly godly people we see a priest and a Levite. A priest is self-explanatory, but a Levite is someone who is either a musician, a gatekeeper, a temple official, a judge, or a craftsman. Basically someone who uh, was in active ministry. And so how did these two, of all people, see a guy bleeding out in the middle of the road and not have enough compassion to even call for help? They didn't scream and cry out, for help or even go to a nearby city to find someone qualified to patch up this dying man. They simply walked around him and ignored the almost dead body in the middle of this somewhat busy passage. Maybe they thought someone else would travel down the path and help him. Maybe they were late for their dinner reservations. Maybe they were just coming back from work and wanted to get home to see their families. Maybe they were afraid of getting their clothes dirty. Maybe they were too proud to take a couple minutes out of their day to even give him some water. What was it that caused them to overlook the pain and the plight of this man? 
One answer I found was the priests, that priests were ritually to avoid uncleanliness. And they might have assumed that the man was dead and therefore unclean. So to follow ritual and tradition, they didn't even stop for a moment to watch and see if the man was still breathing. We cannot make the same mistake when it comes to people in our church pleading for help. When someone reaches out and asks for prayer for their situation or a couple meals after having a surgery, a birth, or something happen in their life, we need to be there for them. Going back to 1 Corinthians, if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. If there is one person who needs help that isn't getting help, we have failed to maintain our church. We have failed as Christians and we have failed as brothers and sisters in Christ. And believe me, I say we to include myself because I have ignored people's problems and have later, and especially now up here talking about it, felt conviction. And so we are supposed to be Christ-like in all of our ways. Jesus moved with compassion and uh, look at the miracles he accomplished. You know, he opened blind eyes. He fed thousands of people. He took away leprosy in an instant. That is the kind of power that we possess when we have the Holy Ghost and are actively using it to help others and pray for people. That is the kind of good that we can do for others if we just set aside our pride and our egos. We have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of us, and we can pray for God to give us discernment and be able to move with compassion just as Jesus did. Now consider the man that was beaten, robbed, and left for dead. Do you think that he wanted to be in that situation? Do you think he was content in the way his life was going at that very moment? Many times we look at the condition that sin has left people in, and rather than feeling compassion, we condemn them. We look at the drug addict and the alcoholic and condemn them for abusing substances instead of having compassion and trying to understand the life that they came from. They may not have even had any, if it, any options. Sin is a powerful force that destroys people, and without knowing God, how are they supposed to know how to fight against the temptations of this world? We look at the people that come into this building that don't look like they've been going to an apostolic Pentecostal church their whole life, and we judge them based on their appearances. We assume that people that look rough are crazy instead of trying to get to know them and helping their situation. There are even people in this building who have been going to church for years or even their whole life and are going through so much more than they show. What we need to realize is that people don't just show up to a church because they're content in their way of living. People come to a church because they are broken and defeated and they feel like there is nothing going right for them and that there is no way out of their situations. They show up to a church because they want to try religion to see if believing in a higher power will fix their problems. We need to understand that so that when they walk through those doors, we can be loving and compassionate and caring towards them. We need to show them that they are welcome and that they are seen. They need to feel like they belong because no one else in this world is allowing them to feel that sense of belonging. No one else is showing them that unconditional love. We need to be the light that they so desperately need. Again, look at the Good Samaritan. He had every right to do exactly what the priests and the Levites did. Or Levite. There was no one around to judge the Samaritan for leaving the man for dead. Out of his own free will and compassion, the Samaritan poured his personal oil and wine into his wound to be a temporary fix until he got him to a host who took care of him. He put the man on a donkey, which meant that he had to walk for who knows how long. 
He paid out his own pocket to pay for the expenses of the host's care. He didn't use his surprise Christmas bonus or his extra oil. He gave out of his own substance and not his abundance. This man that was beaten was a Jew. The person that helped him was a Samaritan. I don't know how knowledgeable everyone is about this situation, but Samaritans and Jews hated each other. This man sacrificed his reputation, his finances, his physical strength, and his own goods just to help a man he was supposed to hate. He was the only one who should have kept walking and left the man for dead. He should have even been the one to beat him up in the first place. But he let down his pride and his ego and had enough compassion to help an enemy who needed help. He set aside his problems and his struggles and helped the very person he was supposed to hate. We cannot afford to have excuses on why we can't help people who need and confide in us. Amen. So, in closing, I want to read from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. We can do all these things like talk to people and learn their, search, learn their situations or have enough faith to move mountains or give to the poor or even lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if we do these things without charity, which is another word for compassion, we, as Paul so bluntly put, profit nothing. No real change is made from fake interactions. No true difference can be made from false compassion. No one will grow if no one will offer to plant. No one will be able to learn if there is no teacher. We need to be there for one another and be there for those people in our lives who we see on a daily basis and especially the ones that we don't like or can't tolerate very much. Because just like Jesus and just like the Good Samaritan, we too need to move with compassion. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I felt convicted, feel convicted. Amen. About there are times when I look at people in their condition and I wonder why don't they just get their act together? You know, why don't they just get it together? Why don't they don't they see what the drugs are doing in their life? Why don't they see what alcohol is doing in their life? Amen. But we need to be moved with Jesus' miracles were marked by compassion. I want us to pray together right now that God would give us a fresh baptism. If our world needs anything right now, we're in a, we're in a world today where lines are being drawn you got to hate one another for this reason if not for that reason then for another reason all just seems like every day there's another reason why this group should hate that group and it's getting so subdivided into we, we just feel like i hate everybody what can break that is compassion that i might have reasons why i shouldn't like you but i'm gonna love you there might be reasons that i could look we may vote different our skin color may be different, and the world says we should hate each other. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. We don't have to hate each other. We can love each other. Does that mean we agree? Amen. We don't have to agree on everything. 
Sometimes wisdom is not talking about things that you know you're not going to agree with people on. Amen? The Bible says a, a fool proves, you know, you, everybody looks smart. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Proverbs said you look smart if you keep your mouth shut. But when you open your mouth, you prove to people you're a fool. And, and, and sometimes just keep your mouth shut. And I want us to pray, to, and I started to pray a minute ago. I probably should have stayed on that route. But I want us to pray right now. God, give us compassion. Our world needs a church that is not like the priest that passes by on the other side of the road. Not like the Levite who's so busy to get to his ministerial duties that he doesn't have time to care for a broken soul. But God, I pray, Lord, let us be that good Samaritan who is thy neighbor. Lord, I pray, God, give us the compassion of that good Samaritan. That, Lord, I'm not just going to take if I have abundance, but out of my substance, Lord, I'm going to take the oil and the wine. Uh, hallelujah. I'm going to take, Lord, what I, out of my substance, God, and I'm going to give. I'm going to help others that are in need. Uh, hallelujah, Lord, that I'm going to give them my beast to ride upon. Uh, Lord, that I'm going to do what I can, God, to cover the debt that they owe in the name of Jesus, that when people walk into this church, God, they don't look like me. They don't think like I do. Lord, my first move is not going to be to condemn them, but, God, it's going to be to love them. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, I pray, God, I don't want to be as that, that man that Paul spoke of that speaks with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have charity. I pray, God, that you would give us charity in this church. I pray, God, that you would give us a fresh baptism of compassion. Yes, Lord, a fresh baptism of compassion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, give us a fresh baptism of compassion. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. One of the, one of the verses that Herbie referenced, he said, if you have the ability and you shut up your bowels of mercy, and I, and I know, we, you know if, if we see somebody out there who's homeless and, yes, we should help them, we see somebody out there who's struggling with, yes, we should help them. But in that context, he said, your brother. And we're, we're, we're quick to give mercy out there, but in here, we want to be stingy with mercy. The first place that we should be merciful is in the house of God. We should be merciful to one another. Amen? If we can't be merciful to one another, the Bible says how they're going to know that we're his disciples by the way that we show love one to another. So the first place, there, the people need to walk in here and feel that there's mercy in this place, that there's compassion in this place, and, and then we can extend that to our world. Amen? One more time, let's give Herbie a hand. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m., Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.